Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. We're told, you know, from a young age, like if you ask a kid to describe how a cake is done, they're going to say eggs and milk and all of these things. But I'm hoping that by showing people that you can actually make this without those ingredients and you just have to get creative. I'm Robin Sessingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm, The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today we're talking to a baker who swears that eggs are optional in making a great cake. She's taking vegan treats to a new level. Bees, however, are never optional in the making of honey. We visit an art museum in St. Petersburg with an unusual installation, a rooftop apiary. Come meet us in person. The Zest will be doing a live taping of a conversation with honeybee experts. It's Sunday, November 10th at 2 p.m. at Sweetwater Organic Community Farm in Tampa during their Sunday market. We'll have lots of different kinds of local honey for you to taste. Green Bench Mead and Cider will be there with samples of their mead. Find all the details at thezestpodcast.com or at the Zest Podcast Facebook page. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free, fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. Urban landscapes don't exactly conjure images of blossoms and bees, but more and more cities are learning the value of cultivating honeybees within their downtowns. As part of our reporting project on honeybees with WUSF News, Kathy Carter reports from St. Petersburg, where a new bee colony sits atop a building best known for its works of art. Beekeeper Matt Davis has to walk something of a labyrinth to get to the rooftop apiary at the Museum of Fine Arts in St. Petersburg. First he climbs a set of stairs, then passes a gallery of boldly covered canvases, and then walks down a whole series of hallways. When he reaches the museum's mechanical room, he opens a padlock on the door, ducks under a few pipes, walks outside, and scrambles up a steel ladder. On the south side of the MFA's roof are eight white bee boxes. Each hive is home to about 20 to 30,000 honeybees. Davis says from this vantage point, the bees will have plenty of pollen and nectar to consume. They will be foraging on palm trees and different ornamental flowers that people plant in their yards. Big thing going right now is the Brazilian pepper. It's an invasive plant, but the bees do really well with it. And Spanish needle is a little white flower with a yellow center that grows as a weed here. It's very important for bees. As it turns out, it's not all that unusual for the Museum of Fine Arts to embrace this trend. Museums from Paris to Chicago have similar rooftop apiaries. 
Kristen Shepard, the executive director of the MFA, previously worked in cities with museums that had beehives, including the Los Angeles County Museum of Art and at the Whitney Museum of Art in New York City. We did keep bees on the roof and we harvested the honey. And it's something that I was intent on bringing to the Museum of Fine Arts when I arrived about two and a half years ago. But the MFA isn't just hosting the beehives and calling it a day. They do eventually plan on selling honey in the gift shop and using it as an ingredient at the museum cafe. Shepard and her staff have also created a whole series of honeybee-inspired programs. In November, there's an event called Bugs Giving that will feature a New York City chef presenting a 10-plate tasting menu using insects as ingredients. There are bee-related programs for kids and several lectures on the schedule, too. And it's really wonderful for us to help educate our community about the decline in the bee population and how important bees are. And right now, members of the Museum Book Club are reading Where Honeybees Thrive, which blends interviews and traditional research into a story about sustainability. Its author, Heather Swan, will be at the museum next month to talk about what different countries are doing to protect bees. And since this is a museum, there's also an art exhibit that ties into the theme of bees and insects. And the result is strangely beautiful. Artist Jennifer Angus displays bugs in a manner that's inspired by Victorian wallpaper and 19th century book illustration. Jennifer's medium is dried exotic insects that are arranged in gorgeous patterns. So I think people will find it beautiful to look at, really inspiring, and very surprising. The artist says her intent is to change perceptions. And for Shepard, it's a mission not unlike the one for the Museum of Fine Arts. It's important that we engage with, this will sound corny, but with what is eternal, what is timeless, what's important to the bigger picture. And she says the way the museum can do that is to preserve treasures, not only of the art world, but of the natural world. That was WUSF's Kathy Carter. You'll find all our honeybee stories, photos, and video at WUSF.org slash honeybees. Natalia Lima gave up eating animal products eight years ago, but she did not plan to swear off dessert. After one too many dry, tasteless vegan cakes, this self-taught baker founded Curious Cat Bakery, which sells cookies, cupcakes, truffles, and desserts, minus the eggs, milk, and butter. Natalia is also a fan of the Great British Baking Show, known in the UK as the Great British Bake Off. During the current season of the competition show, Natalia is selecting one dish from each episode to veganize. Her self-imposed challenge has been featured on the popular vegan website, Veg News. It's also causing a stir on her Instagram page, at Curious Cat Bakery, where each week she posts the results. The Zest producer, Delia Cologne, met up with Natalia in St. Petersburg at the commercial kitchen where she bakes. I'm Natalia Lima, and I'm the founder and owner of the Curious Cat Bakery. What's the deal with this Great British Bake Off Challenge? So I've been watching the show for years, and I love it, and I find it so inspiring. And I knew when season 10 came out that I wasn't going to be the only one watching. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to take all of these challenges that have eggs and milk and buttermilk and all these things that aren't vegan and transform, the, transform them into vegan recipes? So I put that out on Instagram, and people were all about it. So then every week I've been veganizing a challenge. Talk me through week by week what the challenge was for the contestants and how you veganized it. 
So I started with Bread Week, and that was the cinnamon rolls. And that was interesting because that was my first time making cinnamon rolls, and it came out super well. Then came Dairy Week, and that's the cake that we're making today. It was a yogurt cake. Uh, 1920s week, I made a chocolate orange tart with custard, which was really interesting because custard, when you have eggs in it, you bake it in the oven. But for a vegan custard, you make it on the stovetop. So it's a little different. Desserts week was probably the most convoluted of them all. I did uh, Steph's uh, chocolate bomb, which is this ice dessert that had a chocolate mousse and a bavoie and a just this glaze it was so many steps but it was so good my neighbors were really happy because i can't eat all of this so i just give it away for my neighbors <laughs> they loved it then came festivals week i did uh henry's cardamom buns those were so good with some coffee or tea and then just now i did pastry week which was initially a disaster and then a success. And uh, I did Rosie's vegetable tartatan, and that was really good. Mm, that sounds amazing. What would you say was the most difficult week? The most difficult week, not surprisingly to anyone who bakes, was the puff pastry. You're doing this in Florida where it's hot and humid and you need to keep that butter really cold. And it was my first time making puff pastry. And I joked around and I said that if I was on the show, I would have been sent home crying over a soggy bottom because the first time around, it just did not pan out. It was very sad. <laughs> I was very defeated. But then I got my stuff together, brainstormed a solution. And the second time around, it came out okay. What are we making today? So today we're making a Dairy Week's yogurt cake. So the challenge was to do a cake with a cultured dairy product. So in the end, I had to sub out the dairy yogurt, of course, but it's still a cultured yogurt. I am really excited for this. Can you talk us through what goes into making the cake? Since we don't have eggs, you need something that's going to glue it all together. So that's where the cornstarch comes in. It's really going to bring all of the ingredients together and make, make it all stick. So you don't need eggs to do a cake, no matter what you've been told. You're really upsetting some apple carts with that bit of information. <laughs> so we have all of the dry ingredients mixed in over here. And then on another bowl, you're going to put all your wet ingredients plus the sugar. So you're going to zest two lemons. I'm smelling that lemon. Oh, it's so bright. It's so good. Yeah. Once you start zesting, you really get that smell and it's so good. And then we're going to use the juice from these lemons. So nothing goes to waste, which is great. We're told, you know, from a young age, like if you ask a kid to describe how a cake is done, they're going to say eggs and milk and all of these things. But I'm hoping that by showing people that you can actually make this without those ingredients and you just have to get creative and know that in the end of the day, baking is chemistry. And if you substitute some of those ingredients, you're still going to have that chemical reaction that makes a cake a cake. Love it. Okay, so you've got your... So we got the zest, and then we're going to have the juice from the lemon. So we got half a cup of that. Mm. So we're going to add that. I know, it just, it smells like summer. It's so good. <laughs> so then you have a cup of sugar, some vanilla ex extract, one cup of vegetable oil. So is the vegetable oil replacing 
butter? Some cakes use butter, some cakes use oil. So I usually use canola oil for everything because vegetable oil, oil can be a mix and people are allergic to different things. So canola is pretty straightforward. But yeah, you have quote unquote regular bakers that use uh, oil in their cakes. So it's not that unconventional. And then we have the two cups of yogurt. Okay, so this is plain, unsweetened almond milk yogurt, and it's labeled dairy-free. Where can people find this? Publix. Super easy. I'm a big fan of finding easy ingredients. My goal with the bakery when I started is to get more people to go vegan. I think the only way that we're going to get more people to go vegan and for the planet and for the animals is if people don't feel like they're giving something up, you know, if they feel like it's a huge effort and they're having to give up something that they love, they're not going to do it. So when I make my, my cakes, when I make my recipes, I try to find things that people will find it easy. So now we have our wet mix and our dry mix. So we're going to add the dry mix to the wet mix in thirds. So you don't want to throw it all at once because you want to make sure that it really gets incorporated. Mixing it in as we go. That's when you get the arm workout so you can eat those calories later. Calories out, calories right back in. Exactly. That's how I live my life. <laughs> that smell is just so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it smells just like you would expect baking a lemon cake to smell. And that's the whole thing with everything that I bake. I don't want anything to taste, smell, or feel like a vegan cake. I want it to feel and taste and smell like a regular lemon cake. Because I was there. You know, I went vegan eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. And there was very, not that many options, really. And all the options that were out there were that dry, tasteless cake. And... That was not going to work for me. (laughs) I just knew that I couldn't live my life eating dry cake forever. So I knew that I had to come up with a solution. So that's how this whole thing started. What made you decide to go vegan eight years ago? I used to love meat. I used to love eating meat and cheese, all of those things. And then I watched Food Inc., the documentary, had no idea what I was getting myself into. (laughs) And I just cried all the way like by the time the movie ended an hour and a half later i'm in tears trying to see through the tears as i'm googling how to go vegan and i was like that's it i'm done never again there's no turning back so you were crying for what well it was the first time i know it sounds silly everyone knows that your burger comes from a cow right but it wasn't until i actually saw those images of a cow being led to slaughter and i saw the fear in her eyes that I just connected the amount of cruelty that's involved in eating meat and I just couldn't erase that. And all I could think about is that I was not going to be part of that anymore. Nobody was going to die because I needed a snack. So I just made a decision that from then on, I was going to live a cruelty-free life. Okay, well, no tears in the cake batter, please. No. (laughs) It's looking good. Is it about ready to go in the oven? So the last thing we want to do is add the poppy seeds. A little bit of flair. So if you don't mind my asking, what's your cultural background? And was it difficult for your family to accept that you had gone vegan? I feel like a lot of people can make the change on their own, but they run into trouble in social situations or family gatherings. The holidays are coming up. So what was your experience with your family? 
So I'm from Brazil, and it's a very meat-heavy Brazilian diet, right? So at first, and I used to love the Brazilian steakhouses where they just keep bringing you meat endlessly. That, that was my favorite place to go. Uh, so when I decided to go vegan, of course, I wasn't going to go to those places anymore. But I was still visiting my family in Brazil. And my grandmother called it this weird phase I'm under. <laughs> But then as you stick with it, people become interested and they're like, so what exactly do you eat? You know, and when they see that you're not eating salads all the time, then people realize, oh, wait, that's not what I thought veganism was. And, and it becomes a different perspective, which is part of the education process and, and for people to understand that it's not this crazy thing. No, definitely not. But that batter is looking crazy good. I feel like I could just take a spoon. Okay, so you're spraying a bunt pan. Yes. And once you have it all in there, then you put it in the oven at 350 for an hour. So it bakes for a long time. All right, so 350 for an hour. And then through the magic of editing, we have one that you baked bright and early this morning, yes. which is this perfect circular golden brown lemon cake with the poppy seeds flecked everywhere. I mean, I could eat it right now, but you're not done. I mean, it would still be delicious right now, don't get me wrong, but it can be even better. So we're gonna put in a glaze, a lemon glaze in there. So that's super easy. We're just gonna mix in some powdered sugar in a bowl. And then we're gonna slowly pour some lemon juice in there to form a glaze. And now we're just going to pour it over the cake. Stop it right now. It's just that perfect, slow drizzle. It looks store-bought, and that's a compliment. <laughs> you could serve this to company, and you would be winning at life. For sure. And don't tell them it's vegan until they've tasted it. That's what I do. That's what I do to my husband. His, he's not vegan. Okay, so the glaze is poured in, and then you could eat it. Or if you want to serve this, you kind of want to make it kind of a statement piece or kind of a centerpiece, you can add some flowers to it. So pretty. I almost don't want to eat it. Almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. Okay, so now for the fun part, let's slice into this bad boy. Mm -hmm. My mouth is watering. I know. And it's so soft and crumbly. Look at that. And then... I like to do this is just kind of reach in and get some more of that glaze in there. Oh yeah, because when you have a bunt cake, there's always that no man's land in the middle. Yes, that little puddle, that little pool of, uh, of glaze in the middle and you definitely want to get in there. I need you to be my partner in crime here. Okay, Let's fine. do this together. I will never, if you insist, I will eat cake. It's one of the, my main food groups. <laughs> the most important yeah. food group of the day. All right, here we go. Mmm. Right? That lemon glaze just greets you from the beginning. Hello. This is going to be delicious. And then it's so moist and chewy. I guess that's the vegan yogurt. Yes. So the vegan yogurt really just mm. softens the whole thing up. Yeah, it just makes it super moist. Poppy seeds, I always thought, were just kind of like arm candy, but I really do taste a little bit of nuttiness. You would not know this is a vegan cake. No way. And that's the whole point. Like, it should never taste like a vegan cake. It should just taste like awesome cake. For people who want to make awesome cake at home, what are some tips? What are some substitutions? So there's not 
one specific thing that you can sub out. In this instance, we subbed out regular yogurt for almond milk yogurt, and we put some cornstarch to glue it all together. Question about eggs. It would be hard for people to believe that you can make a cake this delicious without eggs. Where can we start to look for a substitution for eggs? Some people like subbing for applesauce or a banana. You can do what's called a chia egg, which is just chia seeds and water. They get, if you mix them, they get that kind of runny texture. I personally don't like doing that. I prefer to just sub out ingredients and change the whole formula. Okay, where are you on aquafaba? Isn't that the sort of juice that's in the can of chickpeas? Yes, which sounds not delicious at all but it's magic whenever people ask me about vegan baking i'm like vegan baking is magic because you can turn chickpea water into meringue and mousse i mean how crazy is that and to watch it happen you put it in the mixer and you add sugar and it just transforms into meringue and it's absolutely amazing i do all my macarons with aquafaba marshmallow i do a s'mores cupcake the topping is all aquafaba and people are their minds are blown when I tell them what it is. They can't believe it. What about butter? So there are vegan substitutes for butter. I, I like using Earth Balance. And again, you can find that at Publix. You can find it at any grocery store. It tastes just like the real thing, but it's made with vegetable oils. Well, Natalia Lima, this was absolutely delicious. Best of luck with the end of the challenge. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was producer Delia Cologne speaking with Natalia Lima of the vegan bakery, Curious Cat Bakery. You'll find the recipe for Natalia's lemon poppy seed cake on our website, thezestpodcast.com. We've also got a great recipe from Leanne Whiffen up on our site. She's the pitmaster and Food Network barbecue star that I talked to last week at her Tampa restaurant, The Deviled Pig. We've got Leanne's recipe for cherry-smoked chili-lime chicken wings with sriracha sauce at thezestpodcast.com. I'm Robin Sessingham. Dalia Cologne and I produce The Zest with help from Megan Trimble, Mark Hayes, and Craig George. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media.